Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story It's Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. (laughs) Indeed, yeah. Is this a podcast which I see before me? The microphone toward my head. Come, let me speak thee. I have thee not, yet I see thee still. Art thou not, fatal vision, sensible to feeling as to sight, or art thou but... A podcast of the mind, a false creation proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain. I think that might be That's it. That's it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> oh, We're going to have our production out soon. That's right. You betcha. Um, so for the next two and a half hours. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, we kid, we kid. Uh, episode number 316, we're talking about Macbeth. And uh, by Willie Shakes, right? Um, my man. The man, well, yeah. Well, no, not really. Not really my man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the, the version that we watched was the 1979 version with Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. And what did you think of you this know, version? You didn't have to say it was 1979. <laughs> if, like me, people haven't seen it and they turn it on... And they see from above this circle of white cubes and just black everywhere. And then they see these people walking in in costume, just sitting down on their cubes. They go, oh, crap, it's 1979. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, man. And they're all English. And they're all popping out this Shakespeare like crazy. I'm like, I need... Captions. No, no, it's 1979. There's no captions. (laughs) Luckily, your ear gets used to it in about 10 minutes, so I hope nothing important really happened in that time period. (laughs) And that might be why I couldn't, at the end, tell apart all the young men in their business suits or whatever they were wearing, who were all talking. I could tell, uh, was it, who was it whose wife and child had been killed? That was Macduff, yeah. Macduff, I could tell, oh yeah, Leon Macduff. I could tell Mm -hmm. Macduff because he was looking haunted. But everybody else kept walking around and changing (laughs) places and they all were dressed the same. And I'm saying, if it's 1979, pretend it's a business meeting and put a name tag on these people. (laughs) That's right. Because I could not tell what was going on. Oh, man. Yeah, I I really love, I mean, uh, or let me say it this way, I really dislike generally the the Shakespeare uh, presentations where they've done costuming outside of where the play was set, and there's mm. so many of those, you know, like this. It just seemed almost like a 1984 vibe to it. You know what I mean? Uh, George Orwell. <laughs> it, there was some <laughs> army somehow, and there was other armies, and they were all wearing almost German uniforms, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but yet, you know, the play is about Scotland and, uh, <laughs> you know, so I don't know why it's like, I don't know if they just, you know, there's so many of them, so many of the Shakespeare plays that have been done, you know, in a different setting, you know, I, I just, people are just playing around with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I like the traditional settings, you know, I, it's like when we saw Hamlet with, um, 
Mel Gibson. Yeah, I that loved was great. the setting. Yeah, I mean how they how they set it and everything. So good, you know. Yeah, and you know what? Then you've got something to look at besides the people close yes, up. Yes, indeed. I'm indeed. not complaining. I'm just <laughs> right. saying. Yeah. It was, so, I mean, it was very artful. Right. Very artful. Right. I, I mean, and, and very well acted. It was. Yeah. It was interesting, and we can talk about later in the. Um, the I think the the way they did it had definite pros and definite cons. Yeah. Agreed. I might have mentioned some of the cons. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yes. if you're going to really talk in a thick ac- Scottish accent fast, you're going to lose your American audience. <laughs> Just saying. And That's maybe right. some of your and British audience, these, too. This is done for Americans, so no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the British yeah. might not have gotten it, too, but here we are. Of all the versions, I had to pick this one still because this is the one people talk about still. It's like this was done in 1979 and. When you talk about Macbeth and uh, movies, the one that constantly comes up as the best one is Ian McKellen's Macbeth. So that's why I picked this one. Yeah, it's almost 45 years old, this this production. Amazing. And it still holds well. And, of course, that's the power of Shakespeare as well as the power of these actors because I thought Ian McKellen was – he was great. But the one who knocked my socks off was Judy Dench. Oh, boy. Get out of town. No one can do a Lady Macbeth like that. Mm. She was amazing. She was, yeah. Yeah, superior. You know, and everybody was good, I thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were. uh, It's just excellent. Um, But, yeah, the director, and I I don't remember the name or have the name of the director, unfortunately. but, But, yeah, just this is the one, you know, that people keep looking at. So, yep, so that's why I picked it. There are other ones, too, um, some modern ones that I like. What have you seen? So the first one that I saw, I I fell into this rabbit hole last year sometime. I watched, like, Mm. three or four versions of it. But the ones that I remember, whenever I, I want to get into one of these plays, I like to watch. They just, they have these BBC ones that are just super traditional um that are just you know there's usually not anybody that you recognize in it although sometimes there is and um it's just uh a straightforward this is the play and i usually read right along with it or if i can have the captions on that's the same Mm -hmm. and um so i watched that one i liked it very much and then i watched the mckellen one and I was like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. that was pretty amazing. And then I watched one that was from 2015 where Michael Fassbender, and I'm trying oh, to remember who played yeah. Lady Macbeth. It, it, um, her name is Marie, Mar- Marianne or Marie. It's Coatland, C-O-I-T-L-A-N-D. Oh. I'm, I don't have this was, in front of me. I'm just pulling this out, but I can't remember her first name. Is, is it she Marianne? she in the Edith Piaf movie? She's French. Don't, yeah, she's French. Yeah. Yeah. So um, hold on. But it was it was magnificent. Um, it was really visceral, and the setting was great. You know, and by visceral I mean you know we see some of the violence that occurs. It doesn't occur off stage, um, but just it was it was visceral is the only word I can have. But I really liked it. I really liked it. And there's oh. one that I want to see. Well, I watched part of Patrick Stewart did Macbeth too, 
but that was also staged in a weird way. Um, and the one that I haven't seen that I want to see was done just a couple years ago by um, Denzel Washington. In, and I think it's oh, on Apple TV. Oh, that was supposed TV. to be good. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't seen that one yet, but I will. Marianne Cotillard. That's Marianne. Thank you. And she is. she was uh, in the Edith Piaf movie. Yeah, she's she's famous. really great. She's really yeah, great. Yeah, she's good. He played um, Fassbender played Macbeth pretty much off his rocker the whole time, even at, you know at the beginning. Oh, you know at the beginning here you feel like he's in charge of his faculties and he's um, you know comes upon those witches and we start to see the witches give their prophecy and uh, it's at that time where he's like hmm. I'm one step away from the, uh, I was going to say presidency. <laughs> I'm, I'm one step Very away close. from being the king. And uh, right. I need to take this, this Hold opportunity. Hold on, let me think about yeah. this. I better write a letter to my wife. <laughs> hmm. Okay, all yeah. right, it's coming yeah. together. Well, yeah, and I have had this, I have not watched Macbeth except maybe I think at a, our Shakespeare in the Park has done it mm. again in one yeah. of those Really great artsy productions with the jackboots and everything. And I was always like, uh, yeah. but they're at least saying the lines. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I've listened to Chop Bard, that podcast. Yes, yes. I've listened to their, yeah. uh, or his coverage twice. Oh, that's great. I liked it so much. And he'll read a lot of the lines and then he'll talk about everything. And somehow, from my feeling of it, and I know this is other people, it's always debated. Was he evil from the beginning? Was he a pretty good guy? And this brought out hidden things that he then yeah. went, oh, wait, if this could happen. And so since that's debated, I had always kind of felt like, oh, he's a pretty good guy. This just kind of did it. And then the more I saw how fast he latched onto that thing, I went, <laughs> well, hold on. This yeah. didn't take much, did it? <laughs> it didn't take much prompting, <laughs> feel, right? Yeah, I feel like he was ambitious from the beginning. Yeah. And How one of, he, one of the uh, the key questions, which is fun to play with in my mind, is the witches. Are the witches prophetic, or are they temptation? You know, meaning when they say "You shall be king," are they tempting him to be king? Or are they telling him that he's going to be king? Um, I think that that's really interesting. Because Banquo, who is with Macbeth at the very beginning, mm -hmm. he is told, your offspring is going to be king. Uh, your, your lineage. Right. You're going to have a line of kings in your lineage. You know, And then at the end of the play, it's not his line that gets the kingship. It's Duncan's son who takes over. Duncan right. was the king at the beginning, right? So in the play anyway... His offspring, okay. Banquo's offspring, is never becomes king. But there's something I was reading about this. Yeah, and which I can. Said, yeah, I think I know what you're saying. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. just it. It, it might have been the Wikipedia page because you know mm -hmm. I was like, okay, now any depth, please provide, which it did do much, but it yeah. did say that the king of the times was it James the first? Yeah, it was King James. That he and, somehow yeah. is connected to that lineage, and so it would have been a nod from right. And this stuff, the stuff, the stuff that I was reading was saying that um, Shakespeare probably put that in for the king, because the yeah. the king King James the first uh, fancied himself, or whether it's true or not, I don't know. Oh, he's from what Scottish. I was reading is that he yeah. was a line of the lineage of Banquo. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah, so that was interesting. But yeah, but other than that tidbit, it's like w- the witches seem to be telling Macbeth what to do. And although Macbeth has the free will to do it or not do it, he does it, right? He's like... Right. Yeah. So uh, when I went through it this time, I was really kind of thinking about that. It was like, is this is this the devil's temptation or is this prophecy? Is this something that they have a future knowledge of? Um, so, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Well, I guess everybody knows the plot of Macbeth. Yeah. We can give it generally if you want. Um I guess it's yeah, like so Macbeth is yeah, he's a Scottish guy. There's a at the beginning. There's a King Duncan, and you know it's going to be spoilerific. We'll just I'll just say what's going oh, on. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so Macbeth, um, there's a battle going on, and then Macbeth and Banquo come across these three witches, and the three witches tell Macbeth that he is now the Thane of Cawdor. Which someone that's a that's a title that someone he knows holds, and then they also tell him that you're going to be the king, and then they tell his friend Banquo that you will not be king, but your offspring will be, and then um, very shortly after that they're visited by people who give them the news, hey you're Thane of Cawdor, and that puts him one step away from the kingship, and. Then King Duncan visits Macbeth's home, and uh, the letter you were talking about, Macbeth writes a letter to Lady Macbeth saying, hey, you know, we're on our way, but he's basically, you know, hey, this is our new situation. And um, Lady Macbeth is, you know, immediately jumping on, well, we can take this tiny step, and if we do that, guess what? We're king, you know? So we can make it happen. We can make it happen. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's what Macbeth does. He, uh, we'll talk more about that, but he does that. And then the rest of the play is the aftermath. It's his consequences for having done what he did. Right. Yeah. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And what else he's led to do and everything. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's well. And so, uh, that was a little spoilery. Now I guess we'll just get real spoilery. Yeah, for sure. Because the, if I'm remembering correctly, and please correct me if I'm not, um, before we see the witches, we see King Duncan going, oh, hey, go find Macbeth and tell him he'll be the Thane of Cawdor now. Because we're going to execute this guy who's a horrible traitor. Mm -hmm. And so the witches have this foreknowledge. Yeah. They didn't necess- They didn't say we made sure that the Thane of Cawdor was going to be executed. Exactly. Yeah. They're just telling him what happened, but I think by telling him at all, they're also. I I think it's a double role. I think it's the thing of you know God's view of lo- of time because he's outside of it. Mm-hmm. So he sees everything that can happen. Yes, but we're yeah. forbidden as Catholics to um, do uh, any kind of fortune telling or anything mm. like that because we're supposed to just take it as it comes because of this very thing in this play, <laughs> which is you see this happening and you're like, oh, well, I kind of have permission now to do anything I want because that's going to make this prophecy come true. They're probably talking about my plan. Yeah, indeed. Instead of the guy was super duper old. Maybe he fell mm-hmm. down the stairs the next day. Who knows? Yeah, in fact, there's there's a point at which um, Macbeth 
says something like, you know, hey, if chance makes me king, then let chance do so. Because yes. he's thinking, you know, he could die a lot of different ways. <laughs> and he is old, just like you're saying, you know, this could happen anyway. And if yeah. if what they're giving me is prophecy, then I don't need to take any action. And it's just going to happen, you know. But I love your point there about, you know, God seeing all things. And because I, I think that the play can be viewed in the way that I'm describing in a free will slat or predestined, mm-hmm. you know, it's a free will versus predestination, which was actually a pretty big fight that was going on at the time that Shakespeare wrote this, you know? Hmm. So, I mean, there was, you know, Protestants and uh, right. Catholics, right? So it was John Calvin, right? There was a big, there was a oh, lot yeah. of uh, fighting about that exact thing, you know? So, but as Catholics, you know, we would say, no, uh, Macbeth had free will and he had, he chose to do what he did. And I think that the play kind of takes that position too. At least I feel like it does because Macbeth struggles hard, you know, even though he's like a super good warrior and he fights on the battlefield, you know, heroically and is killing people there. You know, in fact, I think they say something like, you know, he, he, Cut someone, you know, all the way down, you know, or oh, I can't yes, remember how that was put. Did talk from and crown to yeah, exactly, something. yeah, that's yeah. it, that's yeah. it. And it was like somebody said, "You great gentleman," or something like that, you know, like that was awesome. Way to go, you. Sure was. And then, <laughs> and then he's like, "Okay, now I get have to, or I want to, take this step of murder," and he struggles. In fact, he. You know, his the famous soliloquy, he's, he comes to the conclusion that I'm not going to do it. And then um, he sees his wife and then he, okay, he is going to do it, you know. He's not going to do it. And he's telling Lady Macbeth, because at first they see each other and she's like, this is our big chance. <laughs> and they're all super lovey-dovey. Well, they talk about how to do the murder. And you're like, ugh. And oh, then um, yeah. later he's like, ah, you know what? After I saw these guys and they think I'm the greatest, well, we don't need to do anything. It's fine. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you disgust me. Yeah, and she calls him a coward. You're a coward, and I'm a better man than you. Right. That's exactly it. I would have it. taken yes. my baby mm. away from my breast while it was smiling with me and nursing and dashed its head on the rocks. If I had said I was going to do it, I'll do it. You are wishy-washy, sir. Yes. And, yes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's that thing where you just go, oh, my gosh. And and she's already prayed to the spirits, I think, to unsex her. Yes, yeah. So she's going to be as unnatural as possible. And what she's describing to him is horrifying because it is so unnatural. And it goes along with what the witches said. I think they'd said it by then, which is fair is foul and foul is fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're already telling you what's right and wrong are confused and upside down. Mm-hmm. There's nothing but confusion and lies where there should be straightforwardness and trust. Right. Yep. Yep. I love, I love how you put that. It was like she was telling him that the manly thing to do is to do this thing. And, um, you know, she was challenging that in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she was set. <laughs> she was stone cold, This is what baby. we're doing. This is what we're doing. What luck that Duncan's going to be under our roof, you know? Well, yeah, because um, then later he's going, oh, man, the pages are in there with him. She's like, Ugh, 
Yeah. You idiot. <laughs> you wipe the daggers on them. They have blood all over them. Mm-hmm. It's their yeah. fault. We're going to do it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. She was, she was hardcore. Yeah. Yep. And then and Judy I, I just was absolutely great. love the soliloquy. Um, it's scene seven or act one, scene seven. Um, you know, if it were done, when tis done, then twere well, mm. it were done quickly. You know, mm-hmm. that reminds me of Jesus and Judas. When Judas kissed oh. him, he said, uh, you know, basically, let's let's do this thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what was the words? You know, I actually looked it up, it's but like, it's like. Um, it's kind of like, you know what you must do. Friend, do, it right do away. what you have come for. Is that's, yeah. that's the N-A-B. Yeah. Know, friend, do what you've come for. You know, so it's because they are Judas, right? Their king oh, yes. is upstairs having the last supper. Um, oh, you know what I mean? And, and Macbeth yeah. is here, you know, he's talking like I'm Judas and he's, you know, um, really working his way. And, and I love, you know, in, in this speech too, it's just gotta be amazing to be an actor and doing it because it's written in this way. That's like a real stream of consciousness Mm-hmm. In a deeper way, often, you know, so there, there's one part where he says, you know, there's, there's three things that, um, let's see how I'm looking at it here. Um, okay. Oh, he's okay. He says he's here in double trust. And then he says, first I am his kinsman and his subject. That's two right there. Right. right. Strong, both against the deed. Then as his host, now there's a third thing. You know, so it's, it it really feels like he's working this out in his head, Mm -hmm. you know? So he says, I'm his kinsman, I'm his subject and I'm his host. And the host thing reminds me of the Odyssey, you know, where, you know, all that stuff about the host and all of the uh, basic agreements we have in Western civilization, you know, about being the host of someone and how important that is. And he's about to betray that whole thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, but I just love how he, you know, this guy's good is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> He's really well, good. You have at a this. point. I might have to give him another chance. <laughs> um, well, and yeah. you, and that point about the Last Supper and Judas and everything, that really is some, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, you're right. The, well, there's another it's piece perfect. of this that kind of reminds me of that. So, at the very beginning of scene seven, it says, Ho boys, torches. Enter a sewer and diverse servants with dishes and service over the stage. It's almost like a procession at mass where they're bringing food to the what's going on upstairs, right? Yeah. And then Macbeth comes in and he actually says here, um, he, 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 he brings this up. Um, there, he brings up the chalice. There it is. So he mm. says, um, but in these cases, we will still we still have judgment here. That, but we but teach bloody instructions, which, being taught, return to plague the inventor. This even-handed justice commends the ingredients of our poisoned chalice to our own lips. And then he says, he's here in double trust, right? So he's, you know, so you have yeah. this procession, and then he's talking about a poisoned chalice. And they all drink out of the chalice. Exactly, right. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of this, I think it's fascinating that he talks himself out. 
he's like, I don't think we're going to do this. And yeah, um, not the right thing to do, really. Right. Everybody's so great to me. They love me. <clears throat> yeah. This is going to be okay. <laughs> right. And then in walks Lady Macbeth, and he says, we will proceed no further in this business. He hath honored me of late, and I have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people who would be worn now in their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. It's like, let's not throw this away, you know? Right. And then she says, was hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Have it slept <laughs> since? It's like, yeah, baby. <laughs> She's after She's it. And she calls awful. him a coward. Yeah. It's like, I was promised queen. Yes, it's happening. Exactly. And I love what he says in response. He says, prithee peace. I dare do all that may become a man. Who dares do more is none. You know, he's mm-hmm. right right there. No, he yeah. is. But then she says, you know, what beast was it then that made you break this enterprise to me? It's like, you promised me. You yeah. know, and then she goes in to say, I mean, this vile stuff, which reminds me again, if we're looking at the Bible, it's Herod, right? What's worse than oh, killing yeah. all the babies? You know what I mean? And she's doing not only that, but it's her own that she's talking about. I would mm-hmm. kill this baby that is at my breast if I had told you that I would do it. Had I sworn, she says, had I so sworn as you have done this. She's like, just the promise itself would cause me to just dash the brains out of this child, you know? Yeah. And then later on, of course, they, they actually do kill kids. Oh, my or gosh. Or yes, they does, do. you know? Well, they kill, and they kill a mother and child. Right, right. Yeah. So, in, in McDuff's. Yeah. yeah, McDuff's. And that's what her <clears throat> words lead to, even though by then she's feeling the guilt so much. She's having the nightmares and sleepwalking and washing her hands and talking about it. Yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, that's an interesting to me thing to me too, because Macbeth starts to get shaky when he does the deed, right? He sees the deed Mm -hmm. and he he comes out of the murder holding the knives and she's Mm -hmm. like, what have you got the knives for? So she takes them and she puts them back or puts them in there and says, Hey, we just need to wash our hands. You know, water will take care of this. And again, that feels biblical, you know, mm-hmm. baptism, right? You have forgiving our well, sins. Pilate. Yeah, right. Washing Pilate, his washing hands Washing my hands of it, right. Yeah. Yeah. So she says, a little water is going to take care of this. You know, our hands are the same now. It'll take care of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then he starts to lose his sanity and then Lady Macbeth is starting to lose her sanity. And it's almost like, is it because she's, she sees what she wanted forever falling apart in front of her? You know, it's like we finally made it to the, to the promised land well, here. And um, you are disintegrating. And then she starts to disintegrate, you know. Yeah, but before but I then, think, she was the solid one. Right. But I think she's only shown really if I'm right, falling apart in her dreams. This is the guilt that comes from deep in her soul. And when you're asleep is when, you know, your mind is working all those things out, right? Or yeah, God is I, I speaking felt like, to you. Um, in, in this version, especially when Judy Dench and um, Macbeth are in what I assume was the hall, you know, again, it's staged so weird that we... Where they're having the dinner. Right, they're having the dinner, and he starts to see a ghost of Banquo, 
who uh-huh. was his buddy that he had killed. Right. And so he's losing it in front of everyone else, and she's horrified by that. And I feel like at that point, we saw her crack. Um, well, that's, that's how Judy Dench made me feel, anyway. I had a completely different impression. Okay. My impression, he's losing it, although I don't know if he's losing it. Mm-hmm. For all I know, he's seeing a ghost and no one else can see it. Yeah. Um, I guess when they're not showing us Banquo, because I know some productions will show Banquo. Yep, they do, yeah. Um, I wanted to see Banquo, by the way. Yeah. And I the was dissatisfied. Say, the script does say ghost appears, you know, so. Well, yeah. okay, boo, whoever that director was. I was like, <laughs> I want to see what mm-hmm. Macbeth is seeing, because I feel like they gave poor Ian McKellen a hell of a job there. He mm-hmm. did great. And he did definitely look Totally insane. Yeah. But I, all I felt like was she was continually having to pivot to come up with new descriptions of why it's fine. Uh, he does this yeah. all the time. Everybody's known since he was a kid. He has these little spells. Oh, there he goes again. <laughs> and so she yeah. was nervous, but I felt like she was nervous because she was just trying to, she was like, shut up. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? Um, and so... And the fact that we never see her again talking about, I don't think we do, feeling bad about anything. She's not know. saying I don't in there think she we feels see her bad. Much there, it's, but it's only the the sleepwalking. Yeah. Right? And what, but one of the things that was revealed in that scene to her character is that she put all the pieces together and realized that Macbeth had Banquo killed. Because he had he had yeah. said something earlier. Um, I'll tell you later the details, you know. But you're, mm. it's almost like you're going to be kind of proud of me because I did I like, this oh, thing. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that yeah, anymore. Yeah, you're not going to worry about that anymore. And then he starts to talk about Banquo at the dinner. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh hell, he he had <laughs> this guy killed." You but know? I don't think she cared. I think she kind of did. At least that's the oh. impression that I got from Judy Dench, anyway. Uh, the impression I got was different. Yep, that's very cool. I love it. I love <laughs> Which it. Which is actually I yep. like because mm-hmm. it shows it's there for us to kind of take along our paths. Yeah. Um, mostly because I have to say, I guess she was putting the pieces together, mm-hmm. but I think she was just having to shuffle so fast she didn't have time to stop and really think about stuff. Much. Very true. And and I, I so do that have was to my say, feeling. I do have to say that she did not. I didn't get the feeling that she cared because she cared for Banquo. She cared only because they had made it, and he's screwing it up. Mm. That's that's how I felt. That that would definitely go along with it. But in mm. and since the only time we're shown her talking about her guilt is during the nightmare. Yeah, yeah. She's not talking about anybody else. She's just talking about who would have thought the old man had so much blood in him. Right. Wasn't right. that? Yeah. And during that, all that. So sure. Um, she's talking about having to go in and see the body and get the blood on, you know, and wipe it on the people and everything. And mm. so that was just my feeling. You yeah. could be absolutely right because that's the thing. A great piece of well, the, the, art the, the, is the thing, open like to you said, what I'm, I'm learning from all these versions uh, is how they say things changes yeah. how you feel about somebody. It's the same words, but they can say it differently and make me feel differently about them. It's like, um. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's really incredible. You know, Hamlet and Macbeth, both. Well, I heard a, a podcaster talking. They were doing some Shakespearean play, talking about it. And 
so they were saying, you know, a lot of people say, don't read the play, watch productions of it. And one of the, it had taught herself really to read Shakespeare. I mean, started off with not tons of education, but had then started reading Shakespeare and really is deep into it and everything. And she said, she feels the other way. She says, because the problem is exactly what you're saying. She goes, it's fine to see the interpretations, but of course they are interpretations. We don't know what Shakespeare presented when it was being done and he was actually there. Mm. And so any of those are fine, but what you're reading when you read the play is what you're doing with his work of art. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because it's the same thing. I feel sometimes if I really like a book, I want to read it before I listen to the audiobook, and I may then very much enjoy the audiobook, but um, I'll listen and go, oh, that's not how I would have interpreted that, the way mm, they're reading it. Yeah. You know? So, and it does, any of these are valid because you would have just seen the play. None of the people back in the day would have um, been reading the play. There wasn't anything written down except mm. for the actors. But um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I love it. I just think, yeah, it's incredible uh, what, you know, if these Shakespeare plays, when you watch them, you really see what the actor does or brings. Mm -hmm. You know, there really is that. And I like what you say about audiobooks, too, because that's true. You know, an audiobook brings an interpretation with it. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually I don't, I'm not concerned about that, but you're right. There is a a subset of books that that reading... um, is really the way to do it, <laughs> you know, before you would start hearing interpretations, you know, right. but the Shakespeare plays, I always like to watch them. It's like, um, yeah. you know, I, I fall, I would follow along with the script while I'm watching one. Um, that is my preferred way of experiencing one for the first time. And like I said, I try sense. to find, I try to find one that is as straightforward as possible. This is, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like the the Merchant of Venice. Um, I don't want Al Pacino first. I want the, <laughs> I want the BBC version yeah. first, just the right. straightest one I can, and then I want to see what Al Pacino does. You know what I mean? Yeah, because when they're doing that, they're kind of assuming that you already know the basic story. Mm-hmm. So they're yeah. using that as a jumping off point, and and I have to say, in my case, you know that my preferred form of Shakespeare is through Indian eyes. And they're always changing the interpretation because there's enough there that Indians totally relate to it, but there's always some other concern. So like when we watched Ram Leela and it was Romeo and Juliet, there was also the family warfare and the arranged marriage stuff and everything. Um, We haven't watched Hater, but Omkara, Mm -hmm. also gangsters and um, just just the other things that that make it particular to them and it's still the Shakespearean story but it's used as a jumping off point it doesn't matter yeah, if people love know that. it or not yeah yeah I looked up um I was looking at lists of best Macbeth movies and stuff and mm-hmm. the Indian one looks like M-A-Q-B-O-O-L Macbool Macbool and yeah. that has Irfan uh, Khan Taboo mm-hmm. we watched it and did not enjoy it okay except for the uh the three witches are replaced by two, oh gosh, is it two wise men? It's like two holy fools in a way. Mm. 
they were hilarious. Oh. I loved them a lot. But and I loved the actors who played that too. But I it's full of actors I love, but we I just found it kind of dead. Mm. It didn't it didn't come alive for me in the way that I feel Macbeth should. So yeah. there is a South Indian version and that is yeah, I, I'm not seeing it pop out, but it was really interesting. I enjoyed it because it was more than being Macbeth, which was a very kind of a sketchy storyline in there. It was definitely the basis for everything. But because it was South Indian, you were seeing pieces of culture that you don't usually see. Mm, yeah, nice. It was mm. fascinating. But they did the guilt really well and seeing the ghost and and the way that um, people were coming in to take back the kingdom and, you know, his men were going off and killing people and all the things. It was it was great in in that sense. And I'll um, I'll get the name of it and we can put it in the show notes okay. if you're interested in seeing That'd it. I mm-hmm. it's not the best, but mm-hmm. it's not Macbool. And I'd be curious if you watch them both. Um, like I say, the actors in that are so good, but I just don't. It just didn't make me feel mm-hmm. anything. Gotcha. So yeah, fascinating. But anyway, yep. yeah, good. just different ways to look at it. And so one of the things I thought about this production, I got done and I thought, I never realized what, this was really just a play about two people. Mm. Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Right. Everybody else is just there Mm -hmm. reacting as things go on. They are the prime movers. I mean, the witches even are, as we've said, they're a prophecy. They're they're giving the nudges and the temptation, which I do want to talk about. That's that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. But it's how these two people react to the temptation, influence each other, and how they react to having done this this sinful deeds and the guilt or lack of guilt. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. So, I mean, from the personal standpoint, it's really these two and the consequences. Mm-hmm. If you can look at it as a little bit of a providential thing too. It's like you have the at the beginning of the play you've got this order and then yes. Macbeth destroys the order. Right. And then it's restored by better men. Which is yes. like this is what how we want the world to work, right? We want the the bad men to fail and the better men to help or to take care of things, you know. Right. And that's very Christian. Right, very. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Is so it's, something happens, it's destroyed the order and order has to be restored. And um but I would say that the staging of this play, they use dark and light and that's really all you've got. Mm-hmm. Occasionally some chairs or a big chalice or you know, a couple of daggers somewhere, but it's so it's really focused on the people who are acting and it's, you know, shining light here, having somebody be partly in darkness there and the way it moves them around. Sometimes it's light around them, but often it's just dark as walls. So your imagination is having to fill in, Oh, it's the castle and the porters down here and Oh, it's whatever. And in one way, it's so effective because as I say, it really makes you understand the people who are really talking about something that matters are Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Everyone else is just reacting to what's going on and going, what just happened? Mm-hmm. 
oh, quick, let's all run away. <laughs> this is not great. Yeah. Um, or sure, yeah, we they are. Yeah, somebody. Right. They are the prime movers. Even in the scenes where they're not in, they are the ones moving the scene. You know, yeah. like I'm thinking, um, you know, like uh, Macbeth says, sends murderers to Banquo, right? So then we go to a scene right. with Banquo and the murderers show up, right? But that's that's mm-hmm. still the fingers of Macbeth. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Or Macduff's family. Yep. Horrible. Oh, yeah, that was really effectively done. uh, Mm. Brutal. But um, so in that sense, that turned it into this psychological study because Mm. it's comparing and contrasting the two people. And I never would have thought of the play that way except for that staging. On Mm. the other hand, there is really something to be said for adding a little extra story by having like you say with the Kenneth Branagh or no Mel, Mel Gibson Hamlet. Hamlet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, Oh yes, look, there's guards, there's stairs. <laughs> Here's where the ghost is hiding. Yes. Here's the, you know, where you've got more going on. Um, so there's a bit more story or the mm-hmm. story is maybe yeah, um, well, a little yeah, broader. The details flesh it out. It feels more real. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I so, do. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's interesting on this one that I, it didn't take long for me to forget how it was being staged. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was no, just me like, too. yeah, it was just like you said. It take you ten minutes to get into the language, and then, yeah, I was just really there. You know. Um, but you're right. I was, my mind was filling in all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, like, you know, when he sees the ghost and stuff, I was imagining one there. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I, normally you would see that, but I do just like the Hamlet type of thing better, you know, mm-hmm. when uh, no, me too. I, I just like it that way, you know? So I, I don't know. It's like, you kind of got to yeah. go looking for a Macbeth that's told in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, I don't know how thick are those accents. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because my mind was too when when Mac- Lady Macbeth's like, oh, "Give me those daggers, I'll go do it myself." You really imagine her going through a doorway and leaning over the people. You're not seeing it. Yeah. I don't think you actually see it in the play, but no, you uh, yeah. are filling it in. You know. Yeah, it's just and, like that in the play where she exits with the knives and comes back. Right, yeah. and then comes back. And that's what I thought. But you are imagining it's the walls behind him because you're already having to imagine, you know, the dead king, the two um, drunken or drugged, I guess, um, men-at-arms, all the things. Yep. Um, but like I say, that emphasis really made you pay attention to the people and what they were saying. And so mm. it was just, it, I'm sure that was part of the choice, you know, the deliberate choice. So yep. Yep. also, I just want to get really shallow for a second and say <laughs> Ian McKellen, he's one of those people kind of like Meryl Streep where you go, oh, it's because he was a great actor. Not the looks, mm. the great acting. Yes. Um, yeah. Judy Dench was still kind of pretty. And mm-hmm. especially with her face framed the way it was. Um, and, she, you know, because they're both middle-aged, which is, you know, such an interesting thing, too, is you've got this couple who've been together. They've had children. Mm-hmm. You don't know about the children. You don't know if they've lived or not. It doesn't sound like it, but you don't know. Um, but you don't often get things about people that are that age. And so they know each other so well. He knows to write her the letter. 
she instantly is like, I know just what you're thinking. Yeah. You know, so um, then what happens is you see it, it diverge as their crimes are committed and it affects them in different ways. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And there, you know, there is a sexual component too between them. Mm. Um, that is shown here with just their faces, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the fastbender one, it's a little more visceral. It's not like it, you could, it's, it's, it's bodies. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like we're, oh. we're seeing them do a lot of things, but it's like, you can tell that they like each other a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's um, a modern but it's movie, just right? how, yeah. And you're just like, man, and and during um, the speech where Lady Macbeth is talking Macbeth into doing the thing, oh. that is intense and visceral <laughs> and uh, physical. You well, know, so it's like and wow. Our so- you know, society is highly sexualized. Yeah, for sure. Everything mm-hmm. seems to be seen through the lens of sex. Yeah, yeah. Which is such a weird time to be in. It in other so, times, it, it so would odd, have been other things, yeah. and they wouldn't have cared about the sex. Yeah. Other times they'd have been focused on something completely different. Yeah. And it's so funny to think people are going to look back at our time and go, man, they just saw everything that way. It was weird. Well, it's true. I feel like we all should be wearing name tags that say (laughs) who who we're attracted to, I guess. Ugh. Yeah. I know. Let's not bring that up, please. (laughs) But you're right. Everything is seen through the lens. It seems to be of foremost importance. Well, yeah, and they did a really excellent job just with the little kisses and the way they'd look at each other and say the lines and everything. You knew. Yeah. You knew they were still a couple that had it going on. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's kind of how she actually lures him into going ahead and completing things. I mean, she's yelling at him later, but at the beginning, she's like, this is great. And they got, you know, and they're kissing each other. And it's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. we're going to do it. And they're very excited. <laughs> right. So. I get it. Yep. Yep. Oh, full of scorpions is my mind, dear wife, he says. You know, Ooh. that's when he's talking mm-hmm. about Banquo. Um, and she tells him, you must leave this, you know. She's like, right. we've got what we want, you know. We've done enough. We'll leave it alone. Yep. But he's like, oh, but these witches, they told me that now I have a threat. And isn't that so, it's what you are saying. you were saying at the very beginning about temptation mm-hmm. because it is both the prophecy but the only reason to tell them is the temptation and all it takes is one idea mm. and he just takes that and runs with it and so does his wife yeah he wasn't thinking of that before ever we don't know if he That's ever right. thought of that it's like, yeah. for any way to move up he was just doing his thing being right. a general yeah and that's one of the things too that um, well Pope Francis and a lot of others have talked about is you know, the freedom of material things, like, you know, um, it's like not having that stuff frees you. But this is, this is an example of he's striven for this kingship. He achieves it through nefarious means. But now all he can think about is losing it. It's like I, I've got it, but I can't enjoy that I got it because now I have to care for it. And the way I have to care for it is take care of these threats, you know. So right. it, it's just it, that, that that's a, a way of saying to me, you know, it's like, you know, the possessions of the world and the, the things we strive for in the world are fleeting. You know, it's like if you get rich, 
you have to worry about losing it. <laughs> you know, where am I going to put this thing? You know, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, just, it's more of a, it's a larger thing. Um, but Macbeth achieves what he's wanted all his whole life, I guess. And it destroys him, you know, because he just can't think of anything but, um, well, he is disturbed by how he got there, but he's also disturbed by having to stay there, you know? Yeah. He becomes, uh, more conscienceless hmm. as the whole thing goes on. I mean, to, when it gets to the point where they're like, um, he's like, where's the queen? And they're like, well, so she killed herself. Yeah. Oh, well, that's oh, that was an amazing, that's an amazing yeah. line right yeah. there where he's like, uh, your wife's gone. And then <laughs> it, that's the tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow speech. Um, the famous with the famous line on it. So near, near the end. So he's, He's alone. Well, there there are people around, but he's alone. Basically, the English army has shown up outside. <laughs> 10,000 yeah. people. And uh, even the people that he's with or the people that are, you know, want to defend Scotland, it seems as if, I mean, we don't see them leave, but it seems as if they're no longer with him, right? We, we don't right. see them, you know, you don't feel like there's 10,000 men going to meet this army, you, you know, you, I, I just didn't get that impression. Right. Well, they've also raised that army from all over the place. Right. They've all split up. They've yeah. all gone and gotten help. Right. And so he's got whoever his people were, but they're in the castle. Yeah. And they're like, holy cow, there's so, 10,000 people outside. I think right. we're out of here is, right. is the impression I got. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you know, so Macbeth says, you know, wherefore was that cry? Cause he heard some, some female crying. And then this guy named Satan, S-E-Y-T-O-N, not Satan. Oh, okay. I it, wondered when that yeah, was like, it was S-E-Y, yeah. He says, the okay. queen, my lord, is dead, just matter of fact. And then he says, she should have died hereafter. There would, be, there would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty place from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to a dusty death. Out, mm. out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player, that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Which is the kind of philosophy you get to <laughs> having done what he's done, right? When you're a multiple murderer. Exactly. It's like this whole thing is meaningless, way. he's saying, right? When yeah, the opposite the is very true. Yeah. But even to the end, he's like, I will not lose. Yeah. You know? Right. He's still, as you're saying, hanging on to it. And also, <laughs> even at that point, it's not even I'm hanging on to it. It's like, well, you're not taking it away from me. Hmm. Um, just because of my pride, I will yeah. beat you. Right. And then by the end of that fight... He, I think he's at that point thinking he's probably going to lose, and he's fighting Macduff, whose family mm -hmm. he killed, all of his children. Yeah, he's very motivated, right? And Macduff is very motivated, but he says, um, you know what? I think that he feels like I think I'm going to lose this, but um, he says he's not going to go out there and be, um, be out there with uh, Malcolm and mm -hmm. um, this army. You know what's going to happen then? Right. So he's pretty much. It's almost at that point, I'm just like, well, now he's going to be suicide by Macduff, you know, at the end. <laughs> yeah. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> right. at, yeah. the, at the very end. Not not up till then, because he still seemed to think he was going to do his damage. But, um, but yeah. Well, and it also would be, I would think in his mind, more noble. Yeah, right. It's mano a mano. Yeah. Um, and he thinks everything's meaningless, right? The whole thing is a tale told right. by an idiot. But now it's just, I don't mm. like you, Macduff, because mm. you've done this to me. And so uh, something else I thought was interesting when I was thinking the play over, this never occurred to me before. Um, so here's Macbeth. <laughs> so he acts to make the wish, witch's prophecy come true mm-hmm. by making himself the king. Yeah. Then... He acts to make their prophecy not happen for Banquo. <laughs> right. He's wildly inconsistent. He is. So, yeah. Well, yeah, so well the, what he did with Banquo, because he failed on that, remember? Because he, he was like, I'm going to kill Banquo and his son. Mm-hmm. But his son escaped. Right? So he had the killers go and Fleance flee, fled. Fleance fleed. Fleance fleed. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right, but um, but what I was thinking is, yes, he does not succeed and the witch's prophecy comes true. But what I think is interesting is he believes the prophecy so much, or the temptation, I think, really has just taken hold of him so much that he's like, yes, this is my good excuse to do it. Mm. I'm totally going to do it. But then when he's like, but I want to stay king. I don't want any. I want my line That's to go on. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't want Banquo's line to be king. I got to take him out mm. so that doesn't happen. So then he is directly turning against the same prophetic group. Yeah. Who he for used sure. as the excuse in the first place. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And then um, he also he also acts on prophecy when they tell him that beware Macduff. Yes. Right. And the then he time. takes out Macduff's whole family. You know, and it's yeah. not that they were saying Macduff was going to be king or anything like that. It just said, beware of Macduff. And, you know, again, that, that kind of feeds into my thought, you know, well, maybe it's not prophecy. Maybe this is temptation because he acts on it, right? And those people mm-hmm. didn't need to die. Um, but, you know, evil got its wish there. Well, that's why I was saying the more we're talking about it, I haven't really thought about it in any depth, really, other than, than to go, huh. Mm. But... It's really, it's just how the devil works. You exactly, know? right. It's the, the devil understands things that we don't understand. This is why it's so dangerous to do well, yeah. anything. And we like see it in Jesus, or right? Anything. Well, Jesus and the yeah. temptations, right? Right. Yeah. Do not even listen. Right. Just give the word of God back and move on. Mm-hmm. He's got nothing you want. Mm-hmm. And because he's offering all the things that Jesus, you know, is coming to do. Mm-hmm. So that would be the shortcut. Right. And he does feed the people, not mm-hmm. using stones, but using, you know, other little samples of fish and bread and everything. He yeah. does, you know, he does wind up ruling the earth, but not in the way the devil would ever give you, you know. So, right, yeah, different way. Yeah, so mm-hmm. anyway, the, uh, the various things. But, um, but what I was thinking is that it's that idea that, first of all, knowing anything about your character, which we exhibit all the time just through our actions and speech, here's what would appeal to us. And then I know enough about what's going to happen, says the devil, also being outside. Isn't the devil outside of time? Being an angel? Well, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. The devil seems to have knowledge of stuff, right? That's what I remember. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't know everything because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not God. He is a created being. But it's that thing of knowing just enough to give you little hints that also you can twist for yourself, like you're saying. Beware of the McTuff. That doesn't mean go out there and fight him. Mm-hmm. I mean, stay in the castle. I mean, don't mess with his family, man. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things you could take yeah. that to mean. It's like, oh, I'll just stay away from him and his. How yeah, about he that? he created the conditions for him to have to right. wear McDuff. Right. So yeah. these things are all acting as, the temptations are all acting as spurs. And these are the things when, even when it's a tiny temptation, man, it comes back and back and back and back. And you're just like, I want that cookie. I really, <laughs> it's going to be the best cookie I ever ate. I might die of hunger before dinner. I better have that cookie. And you spend, okay, maybe this is just me and I'm telling a little too much, but I spend a long time shoving thoughts of cookies out of my head if that's what's <laughs> occurred to me, you know. Right, right. Um, it's kind of how we're made and it's kind of the accuracy of here's this little thing I'm going to tempt you with. Mm, indeed. And so the, the <clears throat> fact of it's, it, it can be prophecy, but it also you know, it's nothing's guaranteed by them saying either of those things. But you'll be king, watch out for McDuff, bank well, this is going to happen. It's um, it's just dangling in front of him like a fish. <laughs> yep. Or a hook and to a fish, I guess. he does the evil's bidding. Yeah, he takes the bait. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. The opposite of what Jesus everything. did. Yep. Right. Right. Yep. Well, Scott, you... You've got some gold on this. <laughs> this is this is just great. I love this play so much. It's yeah. got a lot of things in common with Hamlet too. You know, as I mm-hmm. when I was reading it this time, I was like, yeah, I got a main character kind of losing sanity, and um, you even had Ophelia in Hamlet and Lady Macbeth here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really interesting parallels. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and part of it is that. Well, of course, they're used so differently, and um, yeah. <clears throat> but still, it's. I think, for one thing, every artist will have, you know, things they like to go to again and again. <laughs> but also, it's just the idea that we need the contrast, the comparison, the tension, mm. in order to see things revealed to us through yeah. story. Right. Yeah, because this idea, you know. This whole thing is a tale told by an idiot, um, <laughs> signifying nothing, you know. And then in Sound Hamlet, and fury, we have yeah. to be or not to be, which is him trying to decide whether to continue to live or not. Right. So, um, because everything is so meaningless, right? Everything is. Yeah. Yeah. Mulling it but, all but over. But, you know, I, I, it's like Shakespeare brings that in, but I think that he's showing that that philosophy is not right. It's not like he's putting forth that philosophy. In both characters, no. it is a low time. Yeah, so. no. It's it's clearly being shown to us that this is a very bad idea. Yeah, right. Really great. And you know, really because great. Banquo heard that, and Banquo didn't take any action on anything. Banquo yeah. just went, huh, interesting. <laughs> he did. And, and, and I, now I remember... he is the thing of Cotter, so maybe, maybe mine will come true, too. Right. And he's and, just sitting um, back like I a kid it. at Christmas. There's a line there, too, that I highlighted. Um, it's, so, it, it, this is early on in the play, you know, so we've seen the three uh, witches, mm-hmm. and they've given their prophecy, and then 
now people have showed up to tell them what's really going on, right? And Banquo's mm-hmm. response is, what? Can the devil speak true? Yes. Right? He knows. He knows, yeah. He was like, I'm expecting all this to be false because that's what the devil does. And uh, he's like, what? And he understands yeah. that the weird sisters, the witches, mm. are not anything that you should ever trust. No, absolutely. He he saw that clearly. Yeah. So yeah. And my best just like, hey, what, do you have <laughs> any other details? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you for reading or, or watching this. Sorry, watching. No. I have it in front of me in print, but watching I as well. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it that's great. Good. Oh, I want to say one other thing. Which Please. I feel like so many of the people who listen to this will already know it, but we can thank William Shakespeare for Tolkien's Ents. Mm. Because he read Macbeth and he was so disappointed when they said the wood's going to walk to the castle. And he went, oh my gosh, I can't wait for that part. And then he's like, this is so lame. A bunch of guys with branches on their heads? I don't think so. So then he thought, what would it take to make the woods walk? And he'd always just kind of had that in his mind. I didn't know that. That's great. Oh, really? No, I didn't. Yeah. 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 But that's why we have the ants and the wild trees, you know, that they can shepherd around because that's how you get. And he has them walking to um, Saruman's. Castle and tearing mm. apart. Yeah. So he's that's he's fantastic. Like, this yeah. is how you do it, Shakespeare. I mean, that stuff's great. Don't get that's me wrong. Really great. Yeah. But don't say it. it if you're not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. And I love these Shakespeare plays. It's like you, you're watching them and you're just, oh, that's the title of a book. That's the title of a book. That's the title <laughs> the of another of the one. That yeah. was a Star Trek episode title. I know. You know, so it's super cool. I know. You really see how he permeates our culture and the other thing that's even even if nobody knows it i mean you know but the other thing that's interesting too is you know as we're talking about it how psychologically accurate his observations are mm. and the way he shows it in yeah. the stories right that's there's yeah. they're honestly told stories about people that are understandable in any time period and there we go back to scripture from the very beginning on to the end. Mm-hmm. They're all the people. We understand those stories about those people because those people are the same as people now. Yeah, yeah. It's just what circumstances are they in and how's gonna God act in, how is God going to act in their story? And here is we know those people now because we know them and how are they going to react when great evil appears in their story. Mm-hmm. Yep, so good. Man, well great put. choice. Well great choice. Oh, thank I'm you. Glad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I, well, it's you bringing up all the stuff that you did earlier really kind of put me in that mindset. And that's oh, when I was good. like, okay, yeah. because that's what a good storyteller does. They take what's true. Exactly. And then it says, yeah. what if? Mm-hmm. And that's what Shakespeare does all the time. And he's yeah. got a good moral center. He does. Yeah. So his what if is something that's important, as well as being gripping while you're watching it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that's good. Even without any walls and just some lights and dark. Yeah. And no name tags. <laughs> Am I right? Huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my next Shakespeare is going to be The Tempest. And I say that because they're going to be putting it on here at the local university, the theater uh, college. You know, okay. The theater students. We go okay. every year. They They do a Shakespeare most years. But this year they're going to do the Tempest, and that'll be in the fall. So I'll 
deep dive into that one and play with that one. All right, so I expect that for next year then. Excellent. Yeah, sign Please that one Please don't right do up. the one with Helen Mirren and Prospero. <laughs> I beg you. On bended needs, Sarah. <laughs> Prithee, I love it. do not inflict this upon pretty me. peace. Yes. <laughs> yes, really peace. I don't know the lines. I just know, please, I'll kiss your feet. Don't oh, make it. me watch it. I love it. it. Too fun. Too fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, All right. gracious. Um, well, what anyway. have we got next? It's it's October coming. Oh, it is October. Mm-hmm. We have a classic, right? Yes, we do. The picture of Dorian Gray. That is it. By Oscar Wilde. By Oscar Wilde, yeah. Yeah. It is, um, and in a sense, it's kind of like the Macbeth, now that I think about it, in that you're taking somebody who seems so normal, and then one thing gets changed, and it changes everything about how they look at the world and how they act. Hmm. You know? Yeah, great. I guess you could say that about a lot of stories, but um, yeah. I don't know. It seems to be yeah. parallels. And to The Picture of Dorian Gray is another one of those books that I feel like I know everything about, but I've never read. So oh, really? I'm really looking forward to reading it. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry I said that, but I'm so glad I picked it. No, don't. It. No, I I know. I feel like I know the whole plot. I feel Everybody like it, knows the basic spoilers. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's the picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> wink, wink. There's something to do with the picture. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. <laughs> Those were our spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's um, mm-hmm. And also something that's interesting to keep in mind is... This is one of those books, you know, usually when you're reading a book and you say, well, it doesn't matter what the author was like so much. I mean, it can influence things. It was insanely, um, he's he's linked with this book in a way that you can't ignore hmm. okay. because of how Oscar Wilde just lived his life. So I think if you get interested in looking on like the Wikipedia page about his life, once you've read the book, maybe mm-hmm. um, that could be fruitful. I don't know tons about it, but I know enough about it to know... Um, this is, um, everybody says that. Okay. Everybody who talks about this book for literary criticism. Okay. And I, I think it's undeniable. Yeah. Very interesting. It doesn't matter who yeah. Shakespeare was. Yeah. It kind of matters who Oscar Wilde was for this one book. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, not, not to stay too long, but I mean, we don't, yeah. we don't know a ton about Shakespeare, do we? It's like, no. it's kind of a little bit of a mystery. Because um, well, he was kind of just a playwright, and yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he was Shakespeare and super popular. But you know, yeah, I don't know tons about George Bernard Shaw, who was also super popular in his yeah. day. And, Fascinating. I yeah. mean, yeah, and there's all the arguments about did he write his plays? Did other did people Shakespeare write his, write his plays? own plays? Is that's a question? <laughs> yeah, or did Roger Bacon write them, or did somebody else write them? Well, if Roger Bacon wrote them, why didn't he say by Roger Bacon on them? Now, Scott, you're getting into deep water that I don't even go near because I'm just like, you know what? Shakespeare wrote his darn plays. Leave him alone. Gotcha. Very good. Very good. Well, well but done, every- Mr. Shakes. Yeah. yeah. Another good one. Billy Shake. Like I, I like to call him Billy Shakes. Billy Shakes. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. All yeah. right. All right. Well, All right. anyway, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Yes, thank you, thank you. All very best, yeah. And, and we'll I s- hope you come back after listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, hopefully they will. Yeah. And we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, see okay. you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.